Well, we want to welcome everyone to Merville Baptist Church. Appreciate all of you being here this morning. Let's all stand. I'm going to get Brother Zach to come and open us in a word of prayer this morning. You come on, Brother Zach. Let's pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for all that you've given us, God. We pray that you would be with Brother John as he preaches today in the choir as we sing. I thank you for this great church that we have been able to congregate in and to fellowship. God, I pray that you just be with us today. And again, I pray that Brother John, that you be with him so that he could feed us as sheep and that we could serve you, God. I just pray all these things in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Remain standing, page 191 in the brown book. Jesus has people's spread, saints God for Life's chosen people come and die With his hand in the feet And supplies great we need Oh, to sing something Jesus all the time Come and die, master, call it Come and die You may please that Jesus table all the time In your faith, Lord, it's in Turn the water into wine Call it now, come and die. The disciples came to land, thus obeyed Christ's command. For the master called them to them, come and die. Living round the hearts, he saw a bread and fish on the fire. As he satisfies the hungry every time. Come and die, the master called it, come and die. Yeah. 
seated.
Let's all stand again, page 16, brown book. all of you being here. Got a lot of announcements to make and a lot to pray about and 
lot to do between now and we go home today. Amen. Uh, as far as announcements go, we've got a lot of things already listed in our uh, bulletin. If you will, look at that. Look at the dates and look at all that we got coming up. Also, on April the 2nd, I believe I've got that date right. It's the first. It'll be the first. No. This coming Sunday. I'm sorry. This coming Sunday, we're going to be having a baptism service that Sunday morning, right at the, at the end of the morning service. If any of you in here need to be baptized or are interested in being baptized, please see me right after morning service and I'll talk to you about it and we'll go from there. But that'll be a baptism service this coming Sunday morning, right after morning service. Also... Uh, don't forget our revival with Brother Bud Stiltner. And uh, on April the 16th through the 19th, to be planning for that and praying for that. Um, also, I was just asked to mention uh, by Brother Tommy Meeks that they're having a singing at White Plains Baptist Church on March 31st at 7, Brother Mark Trammell. And uh, just wanted y'all to be aware of that if you want to go. Um, we, we've got a lot we need to pray about. A lot of our people are out sick today, and it's that time of season when the allergies just rip and snort and carry on. Um, we need to continue praying for Brother Warren Vickers, that God would be with him. This past Friday, he just uh, had his, hopefully, his last surgery. I, I, don't, I think he's gone through like four procedures, four surgeries. And hopefully this will be the last one and they got all of the uh, issues that was causing problems with him. But we need to continue praying for Brother Warren. Sister Peggy Phillips' son, George, is he's just on, the, it's up to God's hands. Uh, he's in a bad way, needs heart surgery, can't undergo heart surgery because of his weakness physically. And they're trying to build him up. And uh, Sister Peggy is all upset. And we need to pray for her. We need to pray for George, that God would be with him and touch him in a special way. Just a lot going on, a lot that we need to pray about. Uh, Brother Carlos uh, came to me right uh, before service started and let me know that uh, he and Miss Darlene have got to be moving. As a matter of fact, this Sunday is their last Sunday. With, no, next, you'll be here next Sunday. But then uh, they're going to have to move, uh, job-related issues, and hate to see them go. There's such. I told them, I said, how am I ever going to be able to preach without Miss Darlene cackling for me? Amen. Her little cackle every once in a while just gives me the boost to go on. But no, uh, we're going to miss y'all, Brother Carlos, Sister Darlene, and y'all been such a blessing to us, such an inspiration, and pray God's blessings upon you, God's best. And uh, y'all come back and visit. Yeah. They've got to be moving up to Blairsville. I told them, well, that's going to be a, a big ride on Sunday mornings. They'd <laughs> see y'all have to move that far away. But no, we will miss you, Brother Carlos, and y'all are dear to our hearts, and we'll continue praying for y'all down through the years. Um, I feel like we need to do this. I feel like we just need to all come gather around the altars. 
and pray and seek the face of God on all these issues, these uh, requests that God would be in every one of them. Plus, pray that God would meet with us this day in that special way of God. He knows what we need this morning. And let's just pray that God would move in that special way and uh, meet with us. So let's all come gather around these altars. Let's pray together. Let's seek the face of God together. And ask God's blessings on the remainder of this service.
appreciate that. Never have heard that song before. Appreciate it. Welcome home. Well, what a day that's going to be. Amen. Pray that all of you are going to meet us there up in heaven. And uh, pray that if you're not, that you'll make that thing right today with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Kings chapter 19 today. 1 Kings. And we want to look in chapter 19 of that book. And uh, just bring you a little thought that uh, I pray that God would use in all of our lives and uh, touch us with a special way. How many of you need the Lord to come and do something for you today? Amen. Amen. We all do, every one of us. Just praying that God's blessings. Good singing, girl. Good singing. Didn't know you could do both parts. The lead and, and harmony. Wow. That's quite the talent. Amen. First Kings chapter 19, if you'll stand to honor the reading of God's Word. We want to begin in verse number 1 of that chapter and read a few verses. And then we'll come back and recap some things for you. And pray that God would use this time together as we surround ourselves with the Word of God. That God would move. In all of our hearts and lives. I believe God's big enough to meet every person's heart's needs in this room. I believe he's that big. I believe he's that interested. I believe not only can he, I believe he will. If we just open our hearts to him. First Kings chapter number 19 today. Preach. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he said. He said, preach, brother John. (laughs) Hey, he's fine. You keep him in here. I need somebody to shout me on. Amen. (laughs) First Kings chapter 19, verse number one, the word of God reads like this. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with all how he had slain all the prophets with a sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. Strange request coming from this man of God. And he said, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals, and a cruise of water at his head, and he did eat and drink, and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time, and touched him, and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose, and did eat and drink, and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came thither unto a cave, and lodged there. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, 
slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. Well, he was just asking God to kill him. That'd be one way to go. And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind rent the mountains, and it break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. I want to just leave off reading there and bring a thought to your hearts this morning and pray that God would use it to help all of us on when God speaks, when God speaks. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, this morning, Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us and thankful, Lord, for the time you've given us together. Lord, we call this the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, Sunday, the day we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Lord, here we are gathered today, and Lord, how we need you in a special way to, Lord, manifest yourself before us, and Lord, touch every one of us. I pray that in some way that you'd have me to say something, some words in, the, in that way of God. Lord, to be able to touch somebody's heart, to be a blessing to someone today, maybe the Give them strength for the journey. Lord, this journey is a great journey that we're on. And just asking God that you'd please bless now our time together. For it's in the precious name of the Lord Jesus, we pray and ask these things. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You be seated. <clears throat> Elijah is one of those characters out of the Word of God that seems somewhat to be a mystery when you study his life. Out of nowhere in chapter 17, Elijah appears. No introduction to his life, no past uh, heritage of his life, nothing like that to preamble his life in any way. He just shows up and starts doing business for God. You read and study his life, you find out in chapter 17 that he appeared before King Ahab, the king of Israel. And he told King Ahab, he said, I want you to know something. There's not going to be rain for three years except according to my word. He turns around and departs out of King Ahab's life. And sure enough, just as the man of God had said, there was no rain for three and a half years in the land of Israel. The land was suffering a terrible drought. It was suffering a terrible famine. There was a lot going on that, or a lot not going on, if you will, that uh, needed to go on and and Elijah seemed to be the one behind it all. The, the chapter goes on and bears out that the Lord told Elijah to go abide by the brook Cherith, which he did. And while he was at that brook, it said that God watered, uh, gave water to Elijah through that brook, a simple thing. But then in a supernatural way, he fed Elijah with a, a raven bringing meat to him every day just to sustain the life of Elijah. And God can still do the simple and he can still do the supernatural for us all. And he does every day of our lives, whether we realize it or not. God does the simple and the supernatural for us all. The fact that we're here is the proof in the pudding that God still is interested in our lives and does the simple and supernatural for us. 
Then he, uh, the brook dries up, and there's a whole message in that itself. And Elijah's told by God to go down to Zarephath. He said, when you get down there, I've commanded a widow to take care of you. He gets down there, and sure enough, there's this widow lady who her and her son is just about to die because of the famine, because of the lack of water. And they have a, they have a meeting, and she finds out the... God is going to miraculously take care of all of them, and He does. Then you come to chapter 18 in the life of, of Elijah. Elijah is a great man of God. He's a, he's a tremendous man of God. And this one mark stands out in the life of Elijah that, that marks him. He's a man who can hear God's voice. He is so in tune with God that he can hear the least little thing that God says. And, and just like that, not only does he hear it, he obeys what God tells him to do. When he told him to go by the brook Cherith, the very next verse says, and he went as the Lord had said. When he told him to go down to the widow's house, the very next verse says, and he went as the Lord had said. Elijah was a man who was accustomed to hearing the voice of God. He probably is the one who wrote the song, and he walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me that I'm of very own. Elijah was a man who knew the importance of hearing the voice of God speak to him. He realized that without the voice of God speaking to him, his, his life would be a mess, would be chaotic. It would be, it would be just, a, a, just seem like a wasted life. I'm glad that God still is speaking to us today. And he speaks in a way he told, his, he told the disciples. He said, my sheep hear my voice. They know my voice and they follow me. It is important that we all learn this attribute of Elijah and learn how to, learn how to listen to the voice of God speaking to us. Every one of us in here have decisions to make. Every one of us in here have things that we have in front of us and how we need God directing our lives and, and speaking to us and showing us what we need to do in life. I know a lot of people that they put the emphasis on signs. And, Lord, if you'll give me a sign, I'll do this. If you'll do this, I'll do that. And they look for the signs. They, they ask God to do all kind of stuff in their lives. And, uh, but God's voice is so real if we'll just take time to listen to the voice of God and realize that, that God wants to have such a personal relationship with us and wants to speak to our lives every day of our lives. God's got a lot he wants to say. There's a lot of people that never hear the voice of God. They never consider it to be the voice of God that God speaks, but yet they just do not listen to what God has to say. This world is full of people like that. There's people who hear what God says, but they pay no attention to it. They know that that's what God said, but they decide to go their own way. And the Bible says there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And we can listen to our own self, we can trust our own heart, trust our own heart all we want to, but we're going to find this miserable truth at the end of it that God was right all the while. 
God is a God who still wants to speak to us and still wants to lead us in our lives. Elijah wasn't that kind of person. Elijah was a man who when God spoke to him, he obeyed. He just simply obeyed and went and did what God told him to do. In chapter 18 of Elijah's life, 1 Kings, it tells about him having a mountaintop experience with the Lord. The, the nation of Israel had gone into apostasy. They were backslid. They were serving other gods. Ahab was the king over the land and he was a wicked, a, adulterous. He was a godless, God-worshipping king. And he, went, he strayed way from the, from the things of God. And Elijah showed up in the life of Ahab and he challenged Ahab. He said, Ahab, you get all of your false prophets together. Meet me on Mount Carmel and we'll have a showdown. And they did. You can read about it in 1 Kings 18. It was a tremendous story from the word of God that actually happened. It said that Elijah challenged them to a, a, a showdown on Mount Carmel. He said, let's build an altar. Let's fill it up and, and put some bullocks on there. And he said, the God who answers by fire, that'll be the God who is the true and living God. And so they took on the challenge. There was 450 false prophets beside another 400 prophets of the groves. 850 false prophets on the mount to one man of God. The Bible says that the, that the false prophets began calling upon their gods. They said, oh, Baal, hear us. Oh, Baal, hear us. It said from the noonday to the evening sacrifice, they were out there. They were cutting themselves. They were calling on this false god named Baal. And it said, but he never answered a word. Do you know why? Because Baal's not real. Baal's a false god. Baal's a god of the imagination. And there they were, they were doing everything they could to prove to their false God that they loved him and they, they were willing to sacrifice, cutting and harming themselves and calling upon Baal. I like what the Bible says Elijah did. He made fun of them. And we hear all the time, oh, you shouldn't make fun of other religions. Well, if they can't do nothing for you, why not make fun of them? Amen. Well, that went over like a lead balloon. Amen. He said, he said, why don't you, why don't you, maybe he's asleep and he needs for you to go wake him up. Maybe he's on the phone, maybe he's on a journey. And he made fun, he mocked them of their false god, Baal. And then it came Elijah's time. Elijah said, I tell you what, let's do. Let's make this impossible for the God who is possible. And he said, I want you to fill you up some water barrels and I want you to Put those, that water, pour that water in the trench all around this altar. And he said that Elijah got over there. They did that. They filled it up. It was just running over with water. And then Elijah prayed 63 words. 63 words. And it said the fire of God fell, licked up all the water, consumed the sacrifice there on the altar. And then all the people started saying, God, he is God. He is the true. They saw something with their eyes. And then they were convinced that God was truly who he said he was. The Bible went on to say that Elijah prayed again and God gave rain after three 
and a half years, God gave rain miraculously again. Do you know who controls the rain that we get? It's God. Do you know who controls the weather that we have in this land? It's God. None other than God Almighty. It's not up to those who confess to be a, a what do they call it? environmentalist to save our planet. God's in control of this planet. Amen. He made it. He'll end it when he gets ready to. Amen. Well, the story goes on and it said that, that Elijah took all 850 false prophets down into the valley and slew every one of them. I mean, totally wiped out the problem they were having in the land, which was these false voices going out, these false prophets preaching the wrong thing to the people, the false prophets telling people lies in the name of the Lord, and they began believing them. And then Jezebel hears about it, Ahab's wife. And the Bible goes on to tell us that whenever Elijah, you know what Jezebel said? She said as much when she hears that Elijah has slain all of her false prophets. It said that, that Jezebel said, tomorrow about this same time, you're going to be a dead boy too. She threatened the life of Elijah. And the Bible says that when he knew about it, that Elijah, this great man of God, Elijah, this man of God who withstood 850 prophets face to face on the Mount of Carmel is now running and hiding from the trouble. Running and hiding. We flip into chapter 19 of Elijah's life and there he is sitting up under a juniper tree saying, oh God, Kill me. Just take away my life. I mean, having the biggest pity party that you could ever imagine by himself. By the way, when you have a pity party, that's the only one that'll show up. The devil will come at times and he'll help you out with your pity party. But Elijah's having that pity party and he says, then he gets up from there and he goes and he finds him a cave and he crawls inside of that cave. And he dwells there, I'm not told how many days, and then God shows up in his life. You see, Elijah don't belong in a cave. Elijah's a man of God. Elijah's a child of God. Elijah's been called to do something special for God. Elijah's like any of us in this room. The Bible does tell us that he was a man Subject to like passions just like we are. In other words, Elijah was no super saint. He was no super dude. He didn't have a special, a special thing about himself. He was just a man like any one of us. And he got discouraged. He got distressed. He got in despair. He's running and he's hiding. And he's running from a woman Oh, Lord God, there's a message in that. He's running from a woman and he's hiding himself in a cave from one woman. You know what she did? She didn't pull out the bayonets. She didn't pull out the machetes. She didn't pull out the Uzi. She didn't pull out the armed artillery. She didn't call all of her uh, soldiers together. She just spoke some words and it put him in a cave. You know what? A lot of times all we do is hear words and we get scared and we start running 
and we take, we tuck tail just like Elijah and we find ourselves just like Elijah. We're distressed. We're discouraged. We're despondent. We wonder, we're wringing our hands. We're wondering, what are we going to do? How are we ever going to make it through this one? And, And we find ourselves doing just like Elijah and hiding in a cave. Elijah, what you doing in the cave? That's what God was asking him. Elijah, what doest thou here? Elijah, what you doing in the cave, O thou man of God? What you doing hiding from a woman, O child of God? What are you doing running? What are you doing scared? What's, what's happened in your life? That you can't even enjoy being saved anymore. What's happened in your life? That you can't even enjoy being a child of God. What's happened in your life? That you're running and you're not even acting like you're saved anymore. What's happened to your life? Is what God is asking Elijah. The Bible tells us that God sends a strong wind. Exceedingly strong wind, so strong that the mountains begin rending in two. The rocks, the huge rocks, boulders are being smashed and crumbled into pieces. And it says, but God wasn't in the wind. Said God sent an earthquake. And I can see old Elijah standing out there and he feels that wind, he feels that earthquake. And it's reminding him of his past experience with God on the Mount of Carmel. And he stands there, but it says that God was not in the earthquake. Keep standing there, and the Bible tells us that it went on. It said, God, birth of fire out of nowhere. And boy, he's thinking about what he just saw happen on Mount Carmel when the fire of God fell. But it said that God wasn't in the fire. Then the Bible tells us that. Closing to that chapter in Elijah's life, said, then a still, small voice. What put him in the cave? A voice. What's going to help get him out of a cave? A voice. But a different voice. You see, there's kind of all kind of voices in this life. There's all kind of voices that'll speak to your heart and speak to your mind. Get you scared and worked up all in your mind. Get you to thinking there's no hope. Get you to thinking there's no way out of this one. I might as well go ahead and bed up with I might as well go ahead and crawl in a cave and get used to this. This is how it's going to be. But can I remind you, there's a God in heaven and greater is he that's in us than he who is in the world. I'm thankful that I'm still on God's side and God is still on my side. I'm glad to know that God is a God of the possibility in our lives God don't want you in that cave some of you are scared to death to poke your eyeballs out some of y'all scared to death to to look out the cave and you're wondering if I do what will happen there will be a still small voice waiting on you when you get there I want us just to consider a few things that happened in Elijah's life and then I'm building to something you can see, you can see things happening in Elijah's life that happens in all of our lives. One day he was on the mountaintop. The next day he's up under a juniper tree hunting a cave. And it just happened overnight. Isn't this life strange of how 
You can be seemingly on a mountaintop with God one day. Oh, yes, let's, let's, let's go to church. Let's have meeting. And the very next day, you wish they'd cancel the service. And amazing how we can be way up there in our prayer life and in our Bible reading. We'd read the Bible and it's just like God Almighty speaking to us right then and there. Then at other days, we don't even care to read it. It's amazing how we can pray and pray and it just seems like just before we get off of our knees, God, we know God has already got the answer on the way. Then at other days, another two or three days, week, month. We don't even care to pray. That's life. That's the Christian life. Matter of fact, I dare to say that's probably the normal Christian life. We all go through that. Every one of us face it in our lives. We're not always on the mountaintop shouting it out saying, Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Preach it, Brother John. Sometimes we walk in here and we wonder, what's the use? Sometimes we walk in here and we wonder, what am I even doing here? I should have stayed at home today. Ought to be watching TV. Ought to be watching TV. I could still be in the bed asleep instead of being in this place. And that's just the way the Christian life goes at times. It happens to us all. It's, it's everyday life. It's called life. Life. Life is that, all, that, all that way. You're not, it's not always a shout. It's not always a spectacular event happening. It's just called life. And that's how life rolls with all of us. And that's where Elijah's found himself now. And Jezebel has spoken her words to him. Now he's hiding and he's found himself in a cave and he's deep in that cave. He's so deep in that cave he can't even see the light that at the mouth of the cave. He's deep and he's buried himself in that cave and He's isolated himself and he don't want to be around anybody. You ever been there in your life? You just don't want to be around anybody. A lot of God's people do what I call self-isolation. They isolate themselves. It's not anything that anybody's done to them. It's just where they're at in life. They just don't want to be around anybody. Just rather be at the house. Anywhere except around those spiritual people at church. You know, that's going to say, where you been? What's going on? Why ain't you? What happened? You just don't want to be around any of that. You just want to isolate yourself and get alone all by yourself. You don't want to be around people. I've been there, done that, got all those t-shirts. I know what life is all about. That's the way she goes. We self-isolate. Don't want to be in company with nobody. Would rather be sitting right by ourselves, doing what we do. Rather just live out our lives the way we want to live them and let everybody else do what they want to. I'm preaching this morning. Amen, Brother John. Amen, amen, amen. God's, God has life fixed. Where it affects all of us the same way. I don't have to wonder, are you going through it or have you ever been through it? I know we've all faced it in life. That's just the way things roll. That's just life. And Elijah, that great man of God, that great child of God, that one who heard the voice of God and would do it the very next moment, the very next step he took, he was on his way to do what God told him to do is now deep in a cave. He buried himself up, self-isolated himself, 
And there he sits in a cave, and God shows up. God shows up. I like the I like the question that God asked him. What you doing here, Elijah? What you doing here? Simple enough question, but when it comes from God, what you doing here? What you doing in there? Can you see God is coming up and confronting Elijah and saying, what you doing here? In a still, small voice. Oh, he wants the thunder. He wants the earthquake. He wants the fire to fall. He wants the earth to shake around him. He's used to that. But now it ain't like that. <laughs> it's just everyday, mundane. The choir ain't on. The singers ain't on. Nobody's on. The preacher ain't on. Nobody's on. I'm the only one who's on. And they ain't doing nothing for me. Am I telling it? They just ain't doing nothing. They ain't got nothing to offer me. I'm far more spiritual than this. They need to come up to my level and minister to me. Just go ahead and kill me, God. I'm not better than it. Just go ahead and kill me. I got on a pity party one time and I told Debbie about it. I was at a camp meeting and got on a pity party. Imagine that. I mean, morning service, afternoon service, evening service. I mean, three services a day around spiritual people the whole time. And I came home on the biggest pity party I've ever been on in my life. And I told Debbie, I said, Y'all be better off without me. I ain't no good to this family. She said, go ahead and die. <laughs> After I got over the feeling of wanting to choke her. <laughs> I mean, when you own a pity party, there just ain't nobody else interested. If you found that out. She said, go ahead and die. Go on to heaven. Go on and run the streets of gold and shout. And me and your little boys will wind up in the housing projects living on food stamps. Go on and die. I decided I didn't want to be on that pity party no more. That thing just wasn't worth going to. I just knew I'd get me plenty of sympathy from the one who stood at an altar and said, I do. <laughs> you know, when we get there in that cave, we just can't find nobody that understands us. We just sew up there. I sit right here by myself and I ain't going to get nothing out of this but at least they can say I was there. 
Thank you, darling. <laughs> I'm saved and I'm happy about it. <laughs> Wish everybody had what I got. <laughs> Lord God. You ever ask anybody how they're doing an hour later? You wish you'd never ask them. Oh. Didn't know it could be that bad being saved, being forgiven. Didn't know it could be that bad on your way to heaven. You talk to them in a cave. What's going to get them out? They need to get out. You need to get out. You need to get out. You don't need that. You, what you doing in there, Elijah? What you doing in there? You don't. You ain't. That's not a place for a child of God to be. Where's my little buddy, Wyatt? I calleth for thee. Come here, that's my little buddy. I'm going to tell you some things about that little still, small voice. That still, small voice is precious in all of our lives. Uh, go to that back door back there just for a minute. I'll illustrate it this way. What does that still, small voice mean when we do hear it? And we, we need to hear it. We, every, from, the, from the youngest who can sing two leads... To the oldest in this room, we need to be able to hear the voice of God. Some get scared when they hear it because of where they're at. Adam and Eve did. They heard the voice and they hid themselves. That just ain't no place for a child of God to be. What does it mean when God starts speaking in that still, small voice? I'm going to say something to you, Wyatt. You tell me if you can hear me. Did you hear me? No, you didn't. <laughs> no, you didn't. You're reading my lips, ain't you? Did you hear me? No, you didn't. Come here. When, it, when we were far off, he could not hear me, no matter what he says. He could not hear what I had to say to him. But in that still, small voice, when you can hear that, that means he's close. <laughs> that means God is real close. Your life. Come here. Stand up here so everybody can see. Jump, jump, jump. Now I've got 13 hernias. <laughs> Wyatt, I love you. Did you hear me? You know why? Just in a still, small voice, that lets him know I'm close. And that's what God will do in your life. He'll let you know. He'll let you know he's right there. 
when you begin hearing that voice again, I love you, son. I'll never forget the first time I ever heard that voice. It's a week after I got saved, and he called me son. Never had God speak to me like that before, but he called me son. And I've, I've liked that kind of talk ever since. That's family talk. That means I belong to somebody. <laughs> that means I am somebody, not because of me, but because of who I belong to. I love you. Did you hear me then? Now you can say yes. That means he's close. But when you hear that still, small voice, that means not only is he close, but he cares. What you doing here, Elijah? What you doing here? He cares. He cares. He cares. He cares. He cares about your life. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. For you. For you, for what you're going through, where he cares about your cave. And it means that he has come. He's close. He cares. I got, I'm always three-pointer. He's come to conquer. I'm going to get you out of this cave. You don't belong in here. You belong out here with me. We got business to do. We got preaching to do. We got Sunday school rooms to teach. We got choirs, songs to sing. We got specials that need sing. We got pianos that need to be played. We got buses that need to be driven. We got people that need to be witnessed to. We got too much to do out here to be able to, to be hung up in a cave. Come on, Elijah, come go with me. I've come to conquer in your life. If God be for us, who, who, who? Who, who can be against us? We are more, more, more than conquerors through him that loved us. If God be for us, who can be against us? One of you shall chase 10,000. And we get scared of what people say. Just a little voice. Why don't you men look so pious to me? Your wife can say three words to you and next thing we know you in a cave. Thank you very much. Don't get big on us right here. We all just like Elijah. Why well, you can come home with all kind of things on your mind and walk in the back door and the wife will change every bit of that in five words. Boom. That's it. I was going to take her out to eat. I was going to have, a, was going to have flowers set. I ain't doing none of that now, buddy. <laughs> the way she talked to me, uh-uh. You, be, you begin hearing that still, small voice in your life again. And you know that he's right there. And he's come to get you out. And get you to stand up again as a child of God. I want Brother Chris, sis, would you come to the piano real quick and listen to me? Right when it gets to the end, I want you to start playing. It's going to take a little bit. I've got something I want to show you. Brother Chris, you can go ahead and start playing it. No, wait just a minute. Wait just a minute. Let me preface this. This is Brother David Gibbs. He's a lawyer. He started the Christian Law Association. He's a powerful, 
powerful lawyer. He defends churches, Christians. He's been doing it for all of his life. Goes around this world fighting for the cause of Jesus Christ for Christians. And he's also a preacher and he's powerful. And he's going to tell a story. And I want you to listen to this story that David Gibbs has to say. I was in Alaska doing a lawsuit. We're way out in the Aleutian Islands, getting ready to leave and go back to Anchorage and then home. And I had a ticket in my pocket to get on an airplane. The pastor came up and he said, listen, I can save you money. I said, how's that? He said, I flew a small airplane up here and I fly a small airplane and I can take you in my little airplane and you can save your ticket. And this did not sound, I said, gee, thank you so very, very much. But I've got this ticket. We'll just make our way on home, me and this other lawyer with me. He said, no, 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 you got to do it. You got to do it. And against every better judgment I had, I said, okay. Well, we went out to the airport, took us by his little plane, and I looked at it. And I thought, well, one good thing, it's shiny. Then he walked around it. We got in. He's on the left front. I'm on the right front. The other lawyer's sitting right behind me. And he started it up and it started up just fine. Well, we taxied out. I said, should we pray? He said, yeah, that's a good idea. We normally don't. I said, well, this time we're gonna. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I prayed five, eight minutes. I prayed a long time. We went and got on the runway. He starts down the runway. The plane lifted off ever so gently and we start climbing and it's wonderful. Not a problem in the world. We started climbing and we flew probably three, four minutes and something happened that will never leave my mind. The pilot turned to me and he said, we're going in the clouds and I can't fly in clouds. They make me pass out. I said, clouds make you do what? <laughs> now it's been cloudy all day. And we go right up into the clouds and you can't see anything. And he looks at me and his eyes roll back in his head and he starts mumbling and he passes out, passed out cold. Now I grabbed him and I shook him and I said, come on, you got to wake up so I can kill you. Now we're in the clouds flying along with no pilot. And my friend in the back seat said, we're dead, aren't we? I said, there's a very good chance of that. Yes. He said, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. But there was a radio right there and I handed him the microphone and I said, start asking for help. So he's in the back seat reaching up and he said, hello, hello. We didn't know any proper radio etiquette. All we were saying was hello. And somebody answered back, hello, hello. Don't you guys know proper radio etiquette? And I said, give it to me. I said, tell him, we don't know nothing. Tell him we're in an airplane with a passed out pilot and we don't know how to fly this plane. The guy said, I'm a freighter flying out of Anchorage on the way to Tokyo. And he said, you're telling me you have nobody who can fly that plane with you? I said, tell him that's correct. Now you gotta understand, I am sweating bullets. He said, the first thing I'm going to do is start circling so I don't lose you because I'll fly out of range of your radio and you won't have me anymore. And he said, I'm going to get Anchorage emergency for you and Anchorage emergency will be the people that can maybe help you try to save your life. After about five minutes, Anchorage came on, said, we understand you have a passed out pilot and those of you do not know how to fly that plane. We said, that's right. They said, well, the first thing we got to do is find you. And I'll never forget what this man at Anchorage said. He said, my job is to get you home safe. He said, that's my job. But he said, here's the deal. 
if you want me to get you home safe, you got to promise me you'll obey my voice. He said, you can't see me, but I can see you. And he said, if you're not going to obey my voice, you're going to die. When you can't see anything, you have no idea how disorientated you become. Finally, he said, okay, I found you. Now hear me clear. He said, you're four minutes from a mountain. He said, you're going to crash in that mountain and die. Follow my voice. I never said, I have to follow your voice. Is that reasonable? You see, I understood without his voice, I had nothing. And do you understand without God's voice, you have nothing, nothing. Finally, he got us turned and he said, I'm freezing all the traffic in the area. He said, it's going to take me an hour and a half to get you to Anchorage. And there's a lot of weather between you and Anchorage. You're in for a rough ride. And he said, I want you to hear me. I don't want you to look at what's going on outside. I don't want you to pay attention to the storm. Just my voice. He said, if you start watching the storm, you will die. But I'll take you through it. Now, because they cleared all the traffic, several pilots, those nighttime freighters, those 747 started talking to us. They said, we're praying for you, men. You're going to make it. But listen to the voice. That's the key. They said, trust the voice. You realize your head is full of voices and everybody in this world wants to talk to you and everybody wants to be the controlling voice. And God says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I want you to put yourself on the altar and let my voice be your voice. Finally, we went through the worst of the weather, but there was still more. And then the voice came back and it said, now I'm going to line you up. He said, I'm going to bring you in right down the runway. And at the foot of the runway are some lights and they're in the form of a cross. He said, don't you forget this. The cross is the way home. Finally, he's bringing us down. We still can't see anything. And all he kept saying is stay with me. My sheep, the Bible says, hear my voice and they follow me. Finally, just a couple hundred feet off the ground, we saw the cross. I landed the plane. In fact, I landed it seven times. Finally, it all came to a stop. And the minute we stopped, the pilot woke up. The voice said, thanks for listening. I watch them crash and burn all the time because they won't follow my voice. They don't understand I'm the one who can see them even when they can't see me. But they get the voices in their head and they kill themselves. They self-destruct. Thanks for listening to the voice. Then they put us in a motel room at about four in the morning. The knock at my door. And I opened the door and a man was standing there. He said, hello, David. I said, you're the voice. You're the one who got me home. He said, I am. Do you understand one day you're gonna stand before him and say, you were the voice. You're the voice that brought me home. If you're not on that altar as a living sacrifice, your head's full of voices. And then we wonder why kids crash and burn. We wonder why marriages are shattered. And the Lord's saying, I'm the one 
who has the voice. All I can remember is that voice saying, stay with me. Stay with me. Don't listen to what's going on in your head and don't watch the storm. Stay with me. And I'll take you through. Tonight you have a God who has promised to take you through. A living sacrifice, holy. Let's all stand. <clears throat> trying to get us all back to listening to that still small voice it's the only thing that's going to matter in any of our lives is being able to hear him for your marriage for your family for your children there's some of you facing things with your children that you never dreamed to be a part of your life and the only thing going to get you through is that voice from God they're saying some of you in here facing physical things the only thing that's going to get you through is that voice of God. Some of you got decisions to make in your life. And the only thing that's going to see you through to the safety is that voice. I would bow our heads and close our eyes. Could we find ourselves across these altars saying, Lord, open my heart to your voice again. God, I want to hear your voice again. Lord, my ears have grown cold. My ears have grown, they're stopped up, Lord. I want to hear your voice speak to me again, Lord. Don't, don't, don't stay where you're at. Don't stay in that cave. Let God speak to you. Let God do something. Let the still, small voice come to where you're at help you out of that cave you may be here this morning never been saved today would be a good day for you to come just bow before the voice of Jesus Christ he says I love you I love you so much I died for you I want to save you I want to forgive you please come to me please ask me please ask me please believe in me believe in what I've already done for you please come and let me save your soul would you come this morning people around the altars would you be willing to come this morning whatever it is in your life that you need to hear God's voice with he's got the answer